Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of the Business Success and Coffee podcast. It's special today that I'm joined by one of my top 10 business hero authors, Mike Michalowicz. Now, many of you will have heard me mention Fix This Next in podcast episodes and in the intros and the outros to this podcast. Well, today I'm joined by Mike himself. So let me just say a few things about Mike just before he jumps in here. By his 35th birthday, Mike had founded and sold two multi-million dollar companies. He was confident that he had the formula to success and he became a small business angel investor and provided and proceeded to lose his entire fortune. Then he started all over again, driven to find better ways to grow healthy, strong companies. And Mike has devoted his life to the research and delivery of innovative, impactful entrepreneurial strategies to you, the listeners. Mike is the creator of one of the first books that I read of his, Profit First, which is used by hundreds of thousands of companies around the globe, including myself, to drive profit. Uh, he's a creator of my probably one of my all-time favorite business books, the creator of Clockwork, which you will see there uh, behind me on the video. And in 2020, where I formed a stronger relationship with Mike and the team, he released Fix This Next, of which I'm a Fix This Next advisor. And Mike deals in this with the strategy businesses can use to determine what to do in what order to ensure healthy, fast, permanent growth and to avoid those um, debilitating distractions as well. His latest book, Get Different, was released in September 2021 and that gives you all the tools to stand out in any market and there are other books in the series as well. But Clockwork has actually been expanded and revisited as well. So I'm really looking forward to hearing a little bit more about the reasons behind that. Today, Mike leads two new multi-million dollar ventures as he tests his latest business research for his books. So he actually walks the walks. And he's a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and business makeover specialist on MSNBC. Mike is a popular main stage keynote speaker on innovative entrepreneurial topics and is the author of Get Different, Fix This Next, Clockwork, Profit First, Surge, Pumpkin Plan and The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. And he has a particular mission which I'm going to ask him about in just a minute. So let's go into the podcast. So Mike, welcome to today's podcast. It's so, so much of a privilege to have you on here. And I've been such a fan of your books, not only in my own businesses in the past, but I use them with so many of the clients and so many of the, the students at universities. You would not believe the reach that your books have both with me and through me. So thank you so much for agreeing to be on this podcast. It's great to have you with us. Simon, it's a joy to be with you. So thank you to you for the invite. And thanks for those kind words. That really does touch me. 
you know, I, and I really do mean them very, uh, you know, in a very heartfelt way because I know certainly Profit First was one of the first books that I read of yours and Clockwork, I would say, has been the book that has revolutionised the way that I've done business myself. But you know, people have said to me, by using some of the strategies in Clockwork, it's been a game changer for them and it has affected the way that they have run their businesses and exited their businesses and made such a game changer to their business. So thank you uh, for, for writing those books. Let's let's talk a little bit first. I've got to ask the question because it's a business success and coffee podcast and you might be a coffee drinker, you might not, I don't know. But tell um, us, oh God, oh good, that's good. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you like to drink during a, a typical Mike's working day. So it will be a cup of coffee. Uh, that's how I start the morning. So it's a little yep. bit of a ritual. It's a, <clears throat> I actually don't drink coffee at home typically, but when I get to the office, start the cup of coffee and then it's just water. Um, so I had a, a black tea probably about a year ago. I've been using this okay. as my water jug, but yep. uh, I'll drink water throughout the day. And that's that's it. And sometimes a club soda if I want to go crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's your favorite coffee and, and how do you take it? Do you drink it black? Is it with cream? Tell us a little drink, bit. I drink my coffee black. There's a bourbon coffee, which I think is coffee that's been soaked in a bourbon barrel. Uh, oh, okay. It's particular. It's a particularly smooth coffee. So I've been preparing that here. We have these little pods, but there's a coffee store a few blocks from here that prepares it in front of you. And they, they would spend like five minutes in preparing the coffee and they put it in a beaker and there's a lot of science wow. going on. It is the smoothest coffee I've ever had. I just love that flavor. Not a single hint of bitterness. It just goes down. Yeah. Well, thanks to uh, Jenna and Fix This Next, I was turned a little bit from a whiskey drinker to a bourbon drinker. Okay. I've got my, my Hudson uh, baby yet, but uh, yeah, so that sounds idyllic. Coffee and bourbon. Yeah. You're right, right, Blender. Perfect yeah. mix. Yeah, that's a right mix. So obviously you've You've had lots of success in your own businesses, lots of, like I have, you know, real times when you've fallen flat on your face and you've picked yourself up and you've learned lessons and you've built your books on that. What's been the latest or most significant thing that you've been working on in your own business that you'd like to share with the listeners? I am working on a new book. I just Ooh. submitted the manuscript uh, to my publisher. It's going through some final edits. The book title right now, it's called All In. And the subtitle is How Great Leaders Build Unstoppable Teams. The wow. Perhaps the most common question I'm getting now, and part of it's due to the environment we're in economically, is it is particularly difficult to recruit people. And it seems to be particularly difficult to retain people. There's always somewhere they can go. We, we seem to be sh short on um, quality staff for our organizations. The question is, how do you navigate this? And I've been researching it for about five years now and, and developed a system. What I'm particularly excited about is I've found that the traditional interview format is really a weak format. In fact, one of the uh, guests I was interviewing for the book, when I asked her, I said, what do you think the value is in interviewing? And she said, it's great. It's a great way to find people whose job is going to be doing interviews, <laughs> but yeah. otherwise, there's little benefit. Um, so in this book, I reveal a new system for identifying the right fit 
the right people for your organization um, without having to do that traditional interview approach. Yeah. So I've got to ask two questions then on this. First of all, are the Savannah's bananas mentioned in this book? <laughs> yeah, in this case, they're not. I've had oh, them in okay. the last three. Yeah, they're yeah, not. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a shame, but we'll think about them anyway. Yeah. Um, and the other question is, you know, I was very privileged to actually proofread Get Different, you know, which is another exceptional book. So anybody right. who does marketing and hopefully my feedback helped in some way with the people that you it sent did, it through it to. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, is, is that still part of the process? You know, do you really test the resilience of the book and the, the implementation of it? Because your book's... I would say, listeners, if you've if you're not reading in Mike's books, the one thing I find with them is it's the ease at which you can implement mm. what you learn and the lessons from the book. That's what makes you exceptional at what you do, Mike. And is that something that you still testing every book, or have you found a different way of working with that? I've not found a different way. That that's still a way, and I'm probably even deeper into it. So uh, this book too, you know, what I try to do is get different people that haven't read any of my books in the past, and that's sometimes difficult to find, but I want people coming, some people with a fresh perspective of like, who is this guy? And I'll read it as well as established readers. And what I find in that process by having pre-readers read through the book and give me their critical feedback, what I'm looking for is what are the parts of the book that are engaging or invoking curiosity? I want to learn more about this and the reverse, which ones are disengaging and people instead of pouring through the book are boring through my book yeah. and, and can be removed. And in some cases, it's the parts that I thought were not that significant that are being highlighted as I need to know more about this. So it allows me to, yeah. to enhance the book further. I would say prior to pre-readers reading my book, I think about 80% of the structure typically stays. But um, ever since I started that process of yourself and others pre-reading my book, it's a major overhaul when I get back. And I just completed that process for this newest book uh, and submitted it now to my uh, publisher. Great. They they responded saying this may be the best book I've written to this point. And that was their kind Ooh. words and they're motivated to be yeah, kind. Yeah. But I also feel this way too. Maybe it won't have the greatest impact. I hope it does. But I think the, the, the power of the book flows very well. Uh, so I'm very proud of that component. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about the business hierarchy of, of needs, yeah. does this book focus on a particular part of that? Is it going more to the control and the legacy and the impact or whereabouts does it fit on that hierarchy? Yeah. So it's right smack in the middle of the business hierarchy of needs, the third level. Yeah. So it starts at sales and profit. The third level is order, which is organizational efficiency. It's engagement of your team. It all sits in there. You know, with Fix This Next, when I wrote that book, there's five levels of the business hierarchy of needs. Within each level, there's five components. So collectively, there's 25 elements that affects almost all businesses. I call it the DNA of business. And so this is smack in the middle. I would say when people go through Fix This Next to identify where their biggest challenge is, I think their heart wants to say it's in sales. I, I just can sell my way out mm. of this. But the logic and the reality is it's not there. It's inevitably, they aren't profitable enough, meaning they're, they don't have margins in place or they're not managing the efficiencies of the business to be profitable. Or it's something with the overall efficiency and team integration. It's almost always there for most of the businesses that we start off with in this analysis. So I'm happy that this will serve as a tool to, to fix that necessary level. Yeah, and I think it's very topical. I mean, the listeners, I'm sure you'll, 
agree wherever you are listening to this in the world that globally we are facing difficult times when it comes to retaining employees, recruiting five-star employees, and also managing and leading those employees because people's attitude to working in a business and being an employee has changed because of the pandemic. People's sure. perspective and, and their uh, their choices have changed. Is Has that been something that has affected the formulation of this book or you know, has it, has it come as part of that evolution through the recent years? Absolutely. So the expectation from employees has changed dramatically over the last 50 years and very poignantly in the last couple of years because of COVID. Mm, yeah. And so I address that. I'll give you a hint is okay. that historically businesses have a goal or a mission that they're trying to achieve um, irregardless or regardless of what employees are looking to achieve for themselves. I would come out of my office and say, we're going to do X millions of dollars, or this is our goal for this year, and anticipate or hope the team would rally around that. But what I found and what I share in this book is we all have our own individual goals. The goal of the organization is usually the goal of the business owner, in a small company, or the board of directors in a larger company, the leaders. But that's just simply one person's goal. So my company, collectively with 22 employees, I set a goal, yeah, that's what I want. Well, what about the other 21 folks? So it behooves, it's mandatory that we as leaders of our organization understand what the individual goals are for people. They're, they're personal intentions. I, you know, I want to own a house one day. I want to learn Spanish. Uh, I want to be home and available for my family. Whatever those dreams are, once we understand that, then we go into what I call intention alignment. Understand what their intentions are for themselves. Understand the intention for your business. And then the question is, how do we mar march arm in arm so everyone's achieving all of their vision? Yeah, yeah. And you can do that, but it starts off with you first knowing what people want. And, uh, and then it becomes a very powerful, unstoppable force because people see how they're being served beyond just a compensation of salary. They see how they're holistically being served. And through the natural law of reciprocity and alignment, they're naturally interested in supporting then the company's mission, which really is the owner's vision. Yeah, and I think many leaders in business that I certainly have seen, worked with and spoken with, many of them feel that leadership is about having their vision and their mission. And then their role is just to get everybody else just coming along with it, Correct. willingly or unwillingly. <laughs> you know, that's that's right. the measure of their success. You know, How can I get the unwilling people along? And, and that's such an inspiration to see the two coming together, those two intentions coming together. Yeah, I mean, you can pull or drag people along, but imagine if they were running towards your goal with you. Um, and that pull and drag approach requires us to hit the drum over and over again. Here's the goal for the company. What are you doing today? Yeah. Here's a goal for the company. And so it becomes this drumbeat that we have to reiterate. When people are running towards something that serves them and it's in the direction of your business, now it becomes a natural effect. This is where instead of kind of drilling in what we need to achieve, this is where we start sharing what we are achieving and that we're getting closer and closer to the collective goals. What we, one thing we do in our office and I explain in the book is we have a wall. It's a, it's a mural of a tree that has no leaves. It's just an empty tree. But every time someone achieves a personal goal, whatever is of significance to them, which could be spending more time with my family, you know, in some measurable way or, or, or putting a down payment on uh, a vacation, whatever that may be, as long as they've, said this is their personal mission. When when they achieve that, we we fill out a leaf and wote down, write down oh, what great. they've achieved. 
And now we have this tree that is blooming. It's massive. Right. And it's a, it's a great way to, um, to visualize in a very accessible way how we're all making progress. And, and I feel that my team and the teams that we've deployed this in start running toward the goal yeah. of the company as opposed to being dragged by the leader. And that's such a real picture of the impact that that kind of process and that kind of tactic has as well, isn't it? You know, it's so in front of you. And I love things that are in front of me. I've got my wall covered by lots of different things because I like to have things in front of my face. That's where they mean something to me. You mentioned vacation there. So you know, I quite often see your tweets and your social media stuff and you're usually out in the forest doing walking or something. Yeah. What, what do you find, Mike, that is the the way that you disconnect perhaps from the world to give you the space to create the content that you do. Is there any particular activity that yeah. you find really does that? There's one that's, at least for me, uncannily effective. Oh, I would okay. say every time I do this one thing, the ideas pour out. And here's what it is. It's a sauna. I now have one at my house. It's a little one-person sauna. Um, and it has those the rocks in there that get hot and you pour water yeah. over it and steam. I think what's happening is the intensity of that heat is so much that it's hard to maintain the typical thought pattern that I have jumping around constantly. Just to stay focused is about all I can do. So what I'll do is before I go into the sauna, I'll say, what's the challenge I'm facing or question I have for myself? And I'll go in there and I don't drive that thought. I just release it because I can't really think of much more because of the intense yeah. heat. And then the thoughts come out. So then I'll go out. I used to try to do it in the sauna. I used to write on a notepad, but there was sweat <laughs> dripping on it. And my one of my pens that actually started smudging and melting. So I was like, okay, that's not yeah. going to work. But the second I get out, I write down some ideas. I had, um, it's funny about this book itself. Um, I was trying to figure out what's the, an analogy or link I can do. Uh, we have these rating systems for people, A players or five stars or rock stars. And um, I realized really what that constitutes is someone that contributes fully, but also that we, the employer, have set up an opportunity for them so they can contribute fully, something that they love and are passionate about. If people do what they love, they naturally, yeah. you, I, will excel. So it's yeah. really in alignment with two things. And I'm like, oh, is there an existing proof of allowing people to do what they do best by giving them an environment that empowers that? And uh, that's when I was like, oh my gosh, in sports, in the U.S. in particular, they do what's called uh, camps, and it's it's global. But now, as an athlete for a sport, whatever it may be, I played lacrosse, so I may be a lacrosse athlete. I can go to a camp, um, usually hosted by a superior league, like a college or university league or something bigger, and I can learn. What's interesting is I did do camps, and uh, I did get better as a result. So I was being trained, but what I didn't realize is also the employers there, those coaches were looking at the students and they went to certain ones. I was not chosen, but they went to other mm -hmm. ones saying, hey, you're demonstrating a skill set that we want here at this university. We'd love for you to come on board. What's so interesting is traditional interviewing. I interview someone and either I give them the job or not. The one person gets the job. Congratulations. The other dozen people or whoever it may be never knows why they're not a fit. They haven't improved. They simply try to demonstrate their wares. But in these camps every single player myself included got better at a skill so everyone came out of the experience better and this the I'll best say, yeah. fits were matched up 
that came out of a sauna experience. I was like, oh my gosh, that's where it's being applied already. Yeah. So you do realize that as this podcast goes live and the book gets launched, not only are sales of the book going to rise, but sales of one man saunas are going to go, or one person saunas <laughs> are going to go for the roof as well. We're going to be rushing out for cedar saunas. And, uh, yeah, that's so gonna, fun. I'm a huge we're going to be looking fan. for that moment. I'm a huge yeah. fan. Yeah. And of course, we, we should have a coffee in there or water while we're in there as well. Yeah, coffee wouldn't be bad. Yeah. Always water. Yeah. So uh, I just want to mention clockwork just for a moment because, you know, I, I was talking to the group uh, of coaches that I have. Uh, Carl, Harlan, and uh, TJ and Dave all, all send their regards. They're big fans of yours as well and uh, have been through some of your programs. In fact, Harlan was a, uh, a Fix This Next advisor as well. We both joined at the same time. Uh, so that's my shout out to them, Dom. But one of the things we were talking about was the fact that many people in business, when they're delegating out, they're trying to get more time to do more things and they delegate out and people come, and I've had this where people come knocking back on the door and the 60 hours which you were hoping to reduce to 50 then becomes 60 plus the 10 of people yeah. coming back and for me that was one of the big things that clockwork uh, answered and got a workaround yeah. for me and i see that with so many people what made you revise it and expand it and is, is there anything else that you can share with us on that culture of just being able to let go of things and answering that question of when people come back and you say is it me? I always say the answer is yes. Yeah, it's yeah. got to start with you first, isn't it? It's always you, yeah. yeah. What, what's the expansion and revision and any comments on that, you know, that yeah. people coming back and asking the questions? I remember my business coach, this is after I wrote the first edition of Clockwork, I was explaining how I still was often getting stuck in the weeds. I've heard mm. feedback of people getting stuck in the weeds. And he shared something that was really opened my eyes. He said, Mike, sometimes the way out of the weeds just to walk out of the weeds. So instead of trying to fix it and, and sort things out, just step out and see what reveals itself. So that was a big awareness um, that I could tell that story more impactfully and more importantly. So many people were doing clockwork, but afraid of what the consequences walking out. And I wanted to make it more fearful of the consequence of not walking out. Um, if you don't, you're gonna stay stuck there. Another piece of feedback I got um, was that I had a, a few readers say, I've read this book, I want to deploy it, but I'm afraid that my employees will read this. I'm like, hold on, they need to. Yeah. And the, the reason of this fear was that employees would see themselves as the sweatshop, that the owner is getting these grand vacations and getting away from the business, but it's more burden on the employees. And that was a total misunderstanding um, from that reader, not my intended communication. Hmm. The, the responsibility of a business owner, I call it the shareholder. If you own a business, you're a shareholder of a business, your responsibility is not to do the work because if you're doing the work, you're blocking out people who could be employed to do the work. About 1% of the population ever builds a business that reigns, uh, that sustains successfully. That's, that's fiscally strong. 1%. So I have a hundred people. Only 1% is running a healthy, fiscal, responsible business. That means 99 people are looking for a good job with a good company that is fiscally responsible. That's your company. So our job is not to do the job, it's to be a creator of jobs. And by having employees do the work, this is an empowerment. Because when an entrepreneur does the work, they do all the leadership stuff. They, they block out their employees from elevating to the highest level. 
So I rewrote the book to have every chapter include what employees can do um, to further develop themselves, um, how they can support the owner in extracting themselves and acting like a real owner. And I think there's a confusion too. When leaving a business, I'm not saying that you go on the beach and you're drinking Coronas all the time. If that's what your choice is, that's available to you. Yeah. But I also think ownership is much more strategic. It's that sauna time. It's these really key ideas and strategies that you can deploy in your business that have a great impact and can serve so many more people. Just a final note to this, I remember interviewing some leaders of businesses, it seems to be disproportionately larger businesses who get this, but some small businesses do. I talk to the owner and say, why do you get paid so much money? Like, how can you be paid so much? They said, yeah. I make a lot of money because I am dependent on to make three or four absolutely critical decisions per year. That's my job. Yeah. There is this huge amount of thinking and consideration and strategic work that must be done to start directing the ship in the right direction. And um, that's why I believe owners, because you're contributing societally, um, because you're, you're dependent on to make good big time ownership decisions that you deserve uh, to have a business that gives you that financial freedom you're seeking. Yeah. And it's interesting when I started off my construction business back in the early nineties, you know, I, I was a big fan of one page strategic plans. I'm a big Vern Harnish fan. Sure. I still use, still use his plans to the, yeah. to the day. In fact, he's one of my, my top 10 hero authors as well. Yes. And I showed every single person in my business, 31 plus people, all the plans, what I, what cars I wanted in the future, what houses I wanted to live in, everything. And I used to have the the young apprentice, a sixteen year old apprentice, come to me and say, "How can I help you achieve those plans?" Because they all understood exactly what you've just said there, that by you being successful, they're going to be successful as well. And and it was always about developing and empowering them. And uh, yeah, it was such a privilege to see them go to better things. Some of them left the business and went on to incredible things. And I still sit there warm and feel, Do I helped that. I was a contributor. Part to that. of that. And yeah. Think, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, I think we all walk a path together. Um, and there's time, you know, the paths will diverge. We're not all walking the exact same path. So I think a business owner, the ultimate business owner seeks out what's in the best interest of their colleagues and natural reciprocity will occur. They'll want what's in the Correct. best interest of us. And sometimes that means not retaining an employee. Sometimes it actually means encouraging the employee to go elsewhere because they're not a five-star fit, if you will. They're, they are five stars on their own, but not within your organization. They never will because their talents, their love talents can't be exploited. And sometimes it's hard to see and the business owner has to have that hard decision of allowing them to go so they can seek that. Um, yeah. Nothing gives me more joy too than reflecting back on people I've had the privilege to work with and seeing where their journeys have gone. Um, some people have achieved such tremendous things, particularly because they're not with my organization. I didn't have those opportunities. Um, and it's yeah. nice to see people flourish within yeah, or without the company. Yeah. So before I go on to asking you to share a lesson or tip, and you've already given us so many insights already, yeah. but from a point of view of how people get to find out more about you, the, the books, you know, what they can get from, you know, the whole Mike Michalowicz experience, where, where do people need to go to check this out and fi perhaps find you know when the new book is out as well? For sure. So the website to go to is Mike Motorbike, as in a motorcycle, <laughs> Mike Motorbike. Or you can go to Mike Michalowicz, but no one, that very few can spell Michalowicz. So yep. MikeMotorbike.com. It's a nickname from grade school. It's a G-rated nickname. It's the only safe one I had. 
because <laughs> it rhymed. Now, if you go there, all my books, you can get free chapter downloads for every single one. There'll be details on the new book out there. Um, also, I wrote for the Wall Street Journals. I shared all those articles are up there, um, plus some other content too. So mikemotorbike.com. There you go. And we'll make sure the links to that uh, and, and the correct spelling of the proper link is in there as well. So we'll make sure all that's in the, in the show Thanks, notes, man. listeners as well. So you know where, where to go. Um, so if you could give the listeners one thing to take away, something that they can actually take away and implement, take action upon, what would that be today, Mike? I, I would do something. It's a massive step in reframing our identity, but it's a small action to take. And and I think if you do this, it starts changing the par- the paradigm. Uh, the word entrepreneur has become bastardized, unfortunately, into hustle and grind about work. If you're an entrepreneur, it's all about you exhausting yourself. That's what success is. That was never the definition of entrepreneurship. Uh, entrepreneurship was someone who takes a risk, uh, organizes resources, people, money, technology yep. to achieve an outcome. So risk to achieve an outcome, that's what it is. And um, I would challenge our listeners today to start calling themselves a shareholder of a small business. Now, what this means is a shareholder is someone that invests and takes risk. I invest in public stock, I'm a shareholder. My responsibility is to share in profitability for taking that risk, but also in giving strategic direction, telling the the leadership of that company I've invested in, here's my vote on what we should do. Well, we are all shareholders of our own small business and you may be the board of directors too. And you may own 100% of this business or a substantial amount. You have a responsibility because you've taken the risk that most people will never take for sharing in profit. Thank you for your contribution economically to our world. Secondly, is your role as a shareholder is to give strategic direction. It's not to work in a business. You don't head over to the factory because you own stock there and start working. Um, Your job as a shareholder is that strategic direction. So I invite listeners today to start saying, I'm a shareholder of a small business. Say this to yourself and say it when people ask you what you do. It will be like a deer in headlights because people aren't used to that term, which is a great thing. It means you're presenting yourself differently. And once you say this enough times, it maybe takes months. Me, it took about a year of saying I'm a shareholder of a small business to start then behaving consistently with that new identity. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think that the term shareholder is so common around businesses around the globe. But I think everybody will be able to take some advantage from that. So, yeah, so listeners... So. There you go. Start it now. If it takes Mike a year, you've got to start right now and do something with that right away and do it today and as soon as you listen to this podcast. Um, so give us a title of the, of the new book again. It's called All In, How Great yeah. Leaders Build Unstoppable Teams. It's not even available yet uh, as of this recording. The draft is done. It will be in the market on January 2nd of 2024. So it's probably right. still a ways out from when this goes live. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, keep an eye out for it. The book's ready. It just the process yeah. takes time. There you go. There you go. Well, well, we'll definitely make sure we let everybody know of all social media when that happens. So, final question in in the last couple of minutes we've got. Then, if you were to have your dream coffee at the beginning of the day, reading one of your favorite business books that's not one of your own, where would you drink that coffee, and what would the book be, and by who? I would drink the coffee at home. Uh, mm-hmm. to my, my house is like a sanctuary. I actually have a meditation space. So I'd probably read it there. Um, that's where I read my favorite books. The book I would read, um, I love new books. I just started reading right now the book. I think it's called the art of being creative. I can't remember the title, but it's by Rick oh. Rubin. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I just started that. So I'm like really into that. So I would, with a nice cup of coffee, be reading that book. That's it then. Great. Well, look, Mike, you've been an incredible guest. You've given us so much value. Um, we've made good use of the time, packed so much into it. Listeners, your one role now is to do two things. Leave us a review and tell us what you've done with what you've learned. If we've not made an impact on your life and your business because of this podcast, let us know as well. But tell us what impact we have made so that we can fulfill our legacy as well. Thanks for being a great guest, Mike. It's been an absolute privilege. My brother, it's been a joy being with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you. Thank you.